Mayday. This is a call to all you educators out there. It's time to shift our schools. Welcome to SOS Podcast Episode 4, where we're going to be uh, celebrating uh, shifted teachers. And I'm a little late getting going, David, so I'm going to let you start off while I go and find the websites I want to talk about and some teachers I want to point out from our teachers I've been working with at my school. So why don't you go ahead and get us started with what we'll be talking about tonight. Fantastic. One of the things uh, when Jeff and I started to talk about doing this podcast was to celebrate teachers and pretty specifically those in our region here in Asia. Um, Jeff there at Shanghai American School and for me I was at Hong Kong International School for uh, for five years working in the upper primary and now I'm in Taiwan at Sinchu International School. So between those, those for me the recent experience at HKS and now my new experiences uh, I'm going to share uh, examples of teachers who are shifting and shifted in the, the way they teach. Um, and from our show notes, we'll share some links that um, will lead you to examples of their work uh, so you can get, you get a taste of, of what Learning 2.0 learning looks like uh, in some of our schools in this part of the world. Great. Do you want to go ahead and get started? Yeah, I'll go ahead. Uh, let me, let's let's start at Sinchu here. Um, Sinchu is a small school, very progressive, and definitely a shifted school due to the uh, hard work of the school leaders. I wouldn't call them administrators because they're, they're co-teachers and co-everything that goes on here at this very special school. Um, two, I'll use t- just two two teachers to start off. Uh, I could really talk about each of the teachers and their efforts um, to follow through on some of the themes that the school has set in motion. Cheryl Gruber and uh, Patrick uh, Trucon, Truchon um, are both math teachers, and they use some software that a lot of people use called Geometry Sketchpad. Uh, what's interesting is that they are not using your normal uh, format of a math class with a math book and assignments where the students go home and complete problems and come back and then go over them the next day. What they use is a, is a problem-solving and uh, inquiry approach that we call expeditions, uh, and, and this transpires in all the classes, where students work with the teachers uh, to design what, what they would like to study to some degree. Um, it usually comes from the essential questions that are in the units, and most of the work is what we call discovery learning uh, based around concepts that are embedded in these essential questions. And the way it works um, is that the students in the classes are naturally uh, differentiated by what are the skills uh, and, and background in math that they bring to the classes, and they work in these different groups where the teachers present uh, the different concepts and they don't go into detail on the concepts. They, they just give a brief introduction 
and then uh, challenge the students to design an expedition where they'll use Geometry Sketchpad to design and create products that demonstrate their understanding of the concepts that have been shared. So the students work within their groups and the teachers step in uh, when they're asked to uh, and, and help uh, give prompts and ask adding questions to help the students move along in their problem-solving problem efforts. When the students, when the students complete, complete their, their work, work um, they then, they then uh, uh, present it to the teacher and uh, store them in their electronic portfolios, and that's the uh, assessment technique that they're using in these math classes. Um, I'll be posting uh, a link on uh, our show note page where one of our school leaders, Brent Loken, he's, he, uh, he and Cheryl have presented this approach uh, at a couple conferences, so you'll be able to see uh, in more detail what they're doing. So, Jeff, do you want to jump in or I can keep going? Well, that's good. Uh, I've had time. I was working on technical issues, so I've had time to grab a couple. And, uh, you know, that's, that's what I love about my job is, is helping teachers get to that point where they start to shift. And the first, one that, the first link I want to share, and I'll put it in the, in the chat room for everybody, is a blog that is just started. And uh, this one is uh, a blog from our UK class, which is our uh, Theory of Knowledge, which is an IB program uh, that, that is part of the IB, IB program that all the 11th graders take. And they started the year using Moodle. And I started working with this teacher at the beginning of the year because she wanted – I went in at the beginning of the year and did a presentation on connectivism and how knowledge is changing and how the internet is changing the way we learn, the way we teach, uh, and had a really good discussion with the kids. And I think the teacher got as much out of it as the kids did. And she came to me and she wanted to set up a Moodle. So we set up a Moodle class and started talking through how – how was she going to run the class? What did you know? How did it change uh, teaching and learning in her classroom? And so, from the beginning of the year, she's been using Moodle. Well, this week, she's been getting more and more into uh, Web 2.0 tools. Uh, she's had a couple really great uh, wiki projects that she's done with the kids. The kids just finished doing a voice thread with where instead of writing out their science uh, reports, they took pictures as they did their science project. And uh, they put, uh, put them into a voice thread and then had a conversation around those pictures in a voice thread and put them on a wiki. So she's been using it in all of her classes. But this week she went to her theory of knowledge class and she asked them if it was time to get a blog. And I wish – I haven't got permission from the kids yet. But as soon as I get permission, some of the thinking around what they've learned this way around how you acquire knowledge and around how the internet is changing the way we learn, it was a great – it was it was so cool to see 11th graders engaged at a deep level thinking about knowledge thinking about thinking and mm -hmm. so they did decide to start a blog and so i put it there in the in the chat room and i'll uh, send it out but it's blogs.saschinaonline.org/pudongtok and they've just started uh, I, the blog got set up two days ago uh, one of the students is, who I talk a lot with in the hallways and stuff as soon as he knew there was a blog he went home and uh, created an mp3 talking about languages but we, we're still working on the mp3 so you'll see a three mp3 file there and we probably won't get that done until tomorrow get that fixed but uh, it's the, it's, there's, there's going to be about 32 kids in there 
So it's going to be a group blog of 32 students all in the same class talking about knowledge, uh, talking about how they acquire knowledge. And just I think from the discussions I've seen them in the forum, and that was a great way, you know, a walled garden to get them ready to make this jump uh, to the blogosphere where now they're going to allow their thoughts to be open. And it was a good step for these kids because a lot of them, it took them a long time to get uh, to a point where they felt comfortable enough sharing their deep thoughts with students in their classroom. And so now mm-hmm. the next step is sharing those same, th- same thoughts with the world. So I, I got a feeling this is going to be a great blog. And again, it all has to do with the teacher being able to take that risk. And so if you go to the blog now, uh, the teacher actually is posted the first one, which says, which, uh, what kind of TOK blog do we want? Where she goes through some thinking that her and I have done around starting this blog and some of the expectations that the kids need to think about as they start to create their own information. So I think this is a great place to start for tonight because this is, this is what it's about. I mean, we've got this teacher to start the shift that is now coming back and actually affecting teaching and learning in the classroom, and we have something to show for. And, and blogging, what, what the, you couldn't think of a more correct tool for theory of knowledge. The whole idea of, of kids doing that very complex thinking and, and looking at these concepts and, and trying to, to figure out what, they, what their understanding is and, and having blogs and getting them then to reach out. It's, it's an interesting continuum you've had them on, that you, you have that walled area, and then they take the next step to the blogs out to the open, and then the next step, like we were with talking to Clay, using Twitter to reach out to uh, other people out in the blogosphere. And I, I think that's going to be a neat match and, a, and an interesting one to watch and see what happens. Yeah, and it wasn't even the steps for the kids. I mean, that was part of it, but it was also the steps for the teacher. You know, the yes. teacher was taking a risk to go into this online space for the first time. And so it was part of her going through uh, those same processes that the kids were. You know, she wanted to start mm-hmm. in Moodle because it was a wall garden. And then she ventured into wikis. And then she ventured into VoiceThread. And now she's venturing into blogging. And it's been so much fun to watch the teacher want to continue to change and learn and use these tools with her kids throughout the year. It's been really exciting. I mean, to to be able to walk in her class. I walked in her class the other day, and she was grading the voice threads. And that was fantastic. And, uh, you know, it's, it's great when you get those teachers that are into it. And she's always coming to me and saying, what's next? What's next? And that's where we want our teachers to be. Definitely, definitely. Well, that, that is exciting. I'm, I'm glad sometimes it's, it's, a, it's a lonely job being an instructional or educational technologist. So I, uh, I'm, I'm happy for you because I know you've, you've got plenty of teachers that are along, along those lines. Um, let me jump to a, another teacher here at HIS, and then I'll, then I'll move into some HIS teachers. One teacher, Thomas Perkins, uh, again, across the board like the other teachers, follows this instructional strategy of what we're calling these learning expeditions, uh, where the students are very involved in designing what the projects will be um, within the bounds of what the unit is and and what the uh, uh, essential questions are. We'll have Brent Loken on in, in a few weeks when we talk about how to make the shift, and he's going to talk about the broader uh, where uh, instructional strategy where students, all the students do a class called Choice, where they 
look out into the world and decide something they want to learn, something they want to learn more about. But I'm, I'm just going to save that for Brent and let him uh, talk more about it. But Thomas recently, uh, as a language arts teacher, was working with his students on a poetry unit where they were uh, looking at all different types of poetry, and um, Thomas was uh, introducing a wide variety. And as the students were writing their poetry, he introduced the idea of students finding visuals that would connect the words and the feelings and the what they're trying to get across with those words in images. So really big on the visual literacy. So he then took them through the steps of how to search for the web, in, into the web and to find those images. Uh, and then he challenged them to put together a multimedia project that had the images, also had music that was matching their effort. And some of the students uh, used GarageBand to create their own music. Some others um, used uh, music that had been created by other artists. And uh, then they went to our uh, all-school gatherings that we have uh, twice a week. And there we have something called exhibition time. And during these um, morning get-togethers, a portion of the time is set aside for students to stand up as part of the being a project-based school to share what they learned and it, w- it was really powerful to see these young 7th and 8th graders um, showing these uh, videos. And it was interesting speaking to uh, Thomas afterwards. Many of our students are ESL students and um, moving along in their uh, English acquisition. But they're, many of them are just not ready to get up and speak in front of a whole school. So these, this doing it with the videos was a wonderful way to use technology to allow them to uh, share their learning but not uh, feel uncomfortable. And so he's saying the next step will be having the students uh, prepare for public speaking and then eventually getting up in front of the school. So I thought that was very insightful and very uh, differentiated to to meet the learning needs of um, those ESL students. No, that's great. And, you know, that's one thing I'm finding with audio and with the voice threads and doing podcasts and stuff is a lot of our, you know, especially in the international world, so many of us have, uh, you know, uh, students who are learning English as a second or third or fourth language in some cases. Oh, yeah. And audio allows those students to practice a language, <laughs> excuse me, practice a language uh, in an audio format. But if they screw up, they're allowed to delete it and go back and get it right. And yes. we've we found a lot of power with that at our school. Uh, you know, one of my one of the best stories I have is last year we were making uh, photos. Uh, we were making um, photo stories on Photo Story Three, and it was part of the tech class in the middle school. And so we had a seventh grader who did a uh, photo story on Windows Vista because it had to be mm-hmm. on a tech product. And he was an ESOL kid who had struggled with the English language. But he did this photo story, and because he was able to record his voice over and over and over to a point where he was satisfied with it, and then we uploaded it to YouTube, and it just so happened we uploaded it to YouTube the same day that Windows Vistas was released. And so overnight, he had like 3,000 views. And the other kids in the class were just like, oh, my gosh. And here's a kid who's quiet, who doesn't speak, who you know struggles with the language, all of a sudden has a, in our class, very popular YouTube video. And you know what YouTube means to kids. And oh, yeah. it was so powerful for that kid. 
You know, that that's the power I think some of these tools have, even for even for students of second language or third or fourth. Yeah, that that's an excellent point, and, and I think as as much as sh- you've shared how powerful Skype can be in connecting people from one place to another, I think you hit it on the head. I've found uh, again back at HKS with Audacity uh, to just have so many uses for for kids, and and, and that's a good lead in. I'll jump right in. One of our um, grade three four teachers. Uh, ben Hart, who's a real leader in the writing program there, he started using Audacity um, with kids just to to work on their 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 reading, so that they they could hear themselves back uh, and and work on their cadence and timing. So they would use picture books, and it was like once a month he'd have them recording and saving the files to their um, network folders. And as time progressed, he'd have them go back, and they could listen to what they what their reading was like a, a few months previously and really see some growth and um, very empowering for the students. And then what he did, he went uh, with his kids, he does a lot of literature circles, and now that he's, he's, he's really moving the school along with their writing program, he wants to hear back from the kids on, on their self-reflection on their writing. So in, a lot of times he doesn't have time to meet with the kids individually every day because um, he does a lot of group work and a lot of differentiated instruction, that, that a group of kids might be out working and talking about what they're writing. So when they're finished, he'll have them go to the computers and use Audacity to to save the uh, their reflection. What what have they been thinking about? How are they improving in their writing? And they'll save it to a folder so later that evening Ben can go in and listen and, and, and get feedback when he couldn't be in three places at one time. So that's another way um, uh, a very shifted teacher is using Audacity. Yeah, that's great. There's so many ways to use audio, you know, and the web makes it so easy to publish so everybody can hear. That's the thing that I think uh, excites me about audio. It's not just, you know, it's not just uh, a kid in a classroom. He all of a sudden has an audience. He or she has an audience. And we've even had it where we had our fifth graders who are really good at at audacity go down and read a book with first graders and record the conversation with Uh a fifth grader and a first grader and that was fabulous the first grader the first grade teacher then uh burned them all to a cd and sent them home to parents and it was a fabulous Uh little project and that was just teachers talking and coming up with an idea and that's what i love when when I'm no longer needed, you know, I say it all mm-hmm. the time at my school, the day they don't need my position is the day I've done my job. You know, when teachers yeah. are, are seeing this stuff and they don't need the help and, the, and it's just part of what they do on a daily basis, that's when we know we're affecting, we're affecting it at a deep, cha- at a deep change. Mm-hmm. I like that uh, that example too for building community. That's one of the themes of what we're talking about in these shifted schools is building these learning communities. And sometimes our focus is trying to get us to look outside the schools as we were working with Clay on especially, um, and we'll have Kim Cafino on next time about how to connect and expand beyond the walls, but it's also within the school. So that's that's a neat way to use technology within, because I, I, I have seen it several schools where the, the older kids, for one reason or another, they're peer leaders or they're going to read like you're talking about. That's a neat way to to have them connect with kids, but also tying into one of our other uh, uh, essential questions, how to bring the parents into the learning community. If, if you're recording uh, these 
reading times together and these children are taking it home. That's expanding the learning community to the parents as well. So so that's that's like a trip a triple win on that one. Yeah. I'll share another one here real quick. Okay. Uh, this is a this is I actually already put it in the chat room. This is one of our one of our teachers. Hang on a second, I grabbed the wrong link. This is one of our teachers. He's a, actually a seventh grade teacher. And uh, it's it's his blog, which it has become the thing the thing I found with teachers and blogging is we're so used to that static website that we all had to create back in the 1990s and early thousands that it, it takes them a while to really understand what a blog is. And I've got a couple of teachers and I'll throw all the links of uh, I'll highlight a couple of them. Uh, but this teacher has done a really good job of really being personal on his blog. And I tell the teachers that's when you, when you are able to share your thinking on your blog with your students, that's when you've affected learning in a new way. Mm-hmm. And this teacher has done that. If you go to the blog up across the top, you can see he's part of a new uh, evaluation program that we're putting in place here at school. And he's even put that on his blog as a way – he's being very open about his own portfolio and professional development. And his blog has become his professional development. It has become mm-hmm. his evidence of learning and what he does in the classroom. The other great thing is, is down the right-hand side of his blog, you'll see a, a link to every one of his students' blogs. And the students come here because he shares openly about things happening in his life. If you scroll down the page just a little bit, you'll see mm-hmm. that uh, he was stranded at the airport. There was actually one uh, where him and his wife are adopting a little Chinese, a little uh, Chinese girl. And his wife is doing the same thing in fifth grade. And actually, she just got picked up by an Australian newspaper who contacted her and said, we would like to use your blog post in a newspaper article. And so here's a fifth grade teacher in the middle of Shanghai, China, who, because she has a blog now, was picked up by a newspaper back in her home country of Australia and is in a newspaper. And for her, it was so powerful. But again, it was that sharing. It wasn't just putting assignments on your blog. It wasn't just telling kids to go home and read five chapters. That's that's a website. A blog becomes a blog for teachers when you can share some of that learning and some of that personal stuff that's going on in your life and kids grab onto that. And it's also a great model for what kids need to be blogging about. If we get kids to go deeper in their thinking, understanding, and uh, writing we have to, as teachers, be able to go there in a very open format as well. And that scares a lot of teachers. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's interesting you should say that. I was, uh, I shared that the, the student 2.0 site with my student. All my students are blogging, and I shared it with them. Uh, and it's very interesting to see them go in, and, and, and because most of them are really working with their English, for them to go in and read what these very thought-provoking students are writing about uh and then come back and comment on their own blogs it's 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 very powerful and I, and it's the doors are just opening today i was on the, the two point student 2.0 site and i was going to the individual blogs of some of the students and one of the um probably the most recent bloggers she has a site where she's been she's been writing about literature a great deal and i'm teaching an 11 an 11th grade language arts class so that's one i'm going to really push with the students because in with with my work with the students on the blogging i'm trying to get them to reflect on what they're reading what they're writing about but also as you're as you're very clearly pointing out to go out 
to the web and hear what other people have to say and, and bring those ideas back and let them germinate a bit and then and write their reflections. So yeah, exactly. It, it, it really does work. Let me... Uh, I'm going to jump into another uh, example for HKIS, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm keep giving these names. I, I'm sure these teachers would be fine with it. I just really want to celebrate them. Um, they're people that have been working real hard at uh, HKIS and being real leaders when it comes to technology and information literacy uh, work. Uh, one of them, David Navas, who's, who is a trained instructional technologist, uh, but he's a fifth-grade teacher there uh, at the UPS. He, he's just been doing all sorts of innovative um, ways of, of teaching, and especially putting the, hand, putting the learning into the hands of the um, students. And one of the neat things, uh, what David's done, like a, several other teachers, he takes the uh, technology and information literacies that's embedded into the social studies and language arts and science units, and then he expands it. Uh, he takes it, looks at it, and says, how can I use this in other ways? How can I make it better? So one of the things that we began several years ago uh, as an assessment technique, both formative and summative, um, was when a unit would start, uh, we would create an inspiration mind map that would have the uh, essential questions on it. And as a pre-assessment, the students would go in and do their best to put whatever thoughts they had into the mind maps and save it into their folders. And as the unit progressed, they would uh, add to it, build it out, and then at the end, um, when it was fully expanded, that became a, uh, a final source of assessment. But it, it was a nice way for the teachers to check on progress, um, or it still is, they, they still do it, uh, as as time goes along in the unit. But what David um, did was he, he, he intentionalized it, we use that term uh, even more, by building some structure into it. So when the, ki- when the kids in his class, whenever they would start those units, he would use a color coding system. That here's the first day, anything you put down, the, the little concept bubble is going to be blue. As you go through the first two weeks, the color is going to be, say, orange. And when we get to the f- uh, completion of the unit, it's going to be green. And so that way, you can look back at where your thinking was and compare it to where your thinking is today. Um, and uh, one of the other things that he did was he took took the idea of, you know, when we have a lot of meetings as uh, adults, teachers, we often have a parking lot area of to put ideas for for the future that we we can't cover in meetings. Well, David expanded that into putting a par- parking lot into the mind maps of the kids. So as they go through the unit and questions come up, um, Jamie McKenzie came through a couple years and really helped guide us in our efforts to, to be more inquiry-based school. So pushing the kids, that if you have questions, put them in the parking lot, and then when you get a chance, go and pursue those. Get onto the web, go to the library, go to the databases, and see what answers that you can, you can find. So just a real uh, spotlight there on David and his good work there in the upper primary. No, that's great. One of the things uh, one of our teachers have got into is using a program called Vokey. Have you ever heard of Vokey? No, I haven't. It's actually a, a free uh, – let me get the link here for people in the chat room. It's a free uh, – no, no, it's not copying. Hang on a sec. i got to get this. I want people to go look at this if you don't know what this is. There yeah. it is. Um, 
What it is is it allows you to record your voice and you make a little avatar for yourself and then you mm -hmm. embed it on your blog. So uh, some of our teachers got into this and I'm going to play one created by our fifth grade teacher real quick and then I'll kind of explain after this happened kind of how they used it for learning. Welcome to Howard's Home, a blog at Shanghai American School. Please take the time to read the student blogs found on the left column. We will do our best to respond to all of our readers. Thanks and enjoy. So that was pretty cool. Mm -hmm. So it's a fifth grader, and you just record, or this was a fifth grade teacher, and you record your voice, and then you get to make your avatar look however you want. And most of the kids make it look like themselves. So this became pretty popular around our school. Teachers got into it, and they thought it was so cool. And like this teacher has one on his blog. But then some of our teachers in the middle school took it to the next step and had the kids add one to their blog, but they had to do it in uh, the foreign language that they were taking. So if you go to our 6th and 7th grader students' blogs, there's this little picture with a little play button, and you click on it, and the kid is introducing himself and his blog in French or Spanish or Chinese. And it was another way to uh, uh, enforce the language. And it became one of their assignments. It was, I thought it was a, you know, a cool way mm -hmm. to use the tool and to, you know, kids are always excited to do stuff like that. So it was a cool way to, to use the tool, add something to their blog that they liked and making it a, a gradable assignment at the same time. Ah, that's a good, a good grabber as we would say. Yeah, I like that. Um, Gene Che, who's uh, uh, another fifth grade teacher back at uh, the upper primary there at HKS, Here's an example, and it sounds very similar to the teacher you were talking about earlier, who started to get some momentum trying new things and then just said, hey, where can I go? What can I do here? That they, uh, in the fifth grade, they do a, a Civil War unit, and Gene, part of the, the normal assessment uh, for the kids at the end of the unit was the possibility of doing a multimedia creation. They had other things they could do as well. Um, because the assessments were, were, were constructed around multiple intelligences. Um, Gene wanted to share with the students some primary sources, um, but he also wanted to, to play with Flash a little bit. And so what he did was he went out to the web and found some uh, posters from that era around the Civil War, and he put them into a, a Flash slideshow, and he used hotspots uh, where one would hover with the, with the mouse and uh, questions would come up that would prompt the students to do some reflection and react to the uh, posters. And so he could put that out on, the, on his website or he could save it into the, the school, one of the folders on the network, and students could go and work individually or work in groups. And that's one of the things that uh, w when we try to differentiate and get to the point of of offering individual instruction that we can create these uh, experiences that kids can go and spend as much time or minimal time or have choice. Uh, I'm just a real believer in that. And as we know, computer-aided instruction really, really helps with that. So uh, Gene challenged himself and, and, and really uh, brought the history out and, and made it work for his students. Now oh, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah, I think it, it was cool. Uh, the next two I'm going to share are two wikis that uh, a couple of our 8th grade humanities teachers have been working on with kids. And where these wikis are coming from is uh, 
the Iricos, and I don't know if your school's in, involved in this, David, but uh, Iricos is putting on a uh, Global Issues Network conference up in Beijing here at the beginning of March. Oh. And they've invited schools from all over Iricos to have kids submit presentations, and it's a student conference, which is pretty cool. And I'm helping mm-hmm. them set up a Ning site so the kids uh, can connect virtually and do some cool things on the internet. Uh, Apple's already supplied a laptop to each kid that gets to go to the conference. I think each school uh, is sending two groups and uh, the schools will pay for the kids to fly up to Beijing and go to this conference. And they've got an amazing group of speakers coming in, just incredible, who are most of them coming in for very very little or no money. And it's been uh, wonderful. But these are two wikis set up by uh, our two eighth grade uh, humanities teachers and what they are is is it's interesting to look at because the kids had to go in and they had to think and they had to create projects and they're using uh, high noon 20 global issues for the 20th century and so the kids had to create presentations for one of those 20 issues and so if you go to these blogs you can find different things that kids are creating uh, different groups that are forming uh, you know benchmarks for the for the uh, for the presentations and all kinds of cool stuff the kids are doing so i thought i would i would share that again two teachers who decided that a wiki was the best tool for them at that moment and uh, i think it's just uh, you know another way that learning is becoming more transparent it's becoming more open on the web and it's cool to see how different teachers you know use these tools in different ways so that it affects the learning in their classroom for them because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. as instructional designers, you and I know that the, the teachers they have they have the content, they have the knowledge, and they they know how to get there. But it's it's often a case where if we sit down and, and share some of these tools and and look at it to say where are you trying to go with your learning, that that they'll go wow that that can help me do a better job for this group of kids or or maybe the whole class and. That's that's the very exciting part of, of of using all these different tools for differentiated instruction. So I, I'm, I'm you're going to have a whole bevy of uh, links there. I think I'm looking forward to checking that, those out. Yeah. And and sharing them here uh, with students at my school. Well, let let me finish with with our good buddy Mike Lambert, who was at HKS when I was there, and then he and his family moved to Concordia there in Shanghai with you. And I, I could go through a long list of things that Michael has been doing to be a uh, to be a leader in learning 2.0 teaching. One of the things uh, that stood out for me because my son was in his class, he um, he, he had him for grades three and four um, at, at the upper primary. Uh, when students come into the upper primary, they can either go into grade three and then one to grade four or they can go the other avenue and it's it's a mixed class for two years grade three um, and one of the one of the big things Michael pushed besides inquiry based learning where he would have kids if a question came up he'd have the kids researching it and uh, putting presentations together and and sharing with the class was he he believed in uh, public speaking and sharing with the parents what was going on in the classroom and so what he he would have the, the students do is at a periodically he had this chip, very high sitting up chair and he had a, a tripod and a video camera and the kids while while everyone was out in their different groups doing things one by one from time to time would sit up on that chair and they would talk 
to their to their parents explaining what they've been learning, what are the recent projects that they've been doing. So they're working on their speaking skills, uh, but they're also were creating a video uh, portfolio. Uh, and back then, we were using your VHS type of tape. This was pre um, DVDs, uh, but in his last year, he was making the move to the DVDs. Um, so I just, I just thought that was a great way to, again, extend out to the parents, bring them into the learning community because so often uh, the, the parents were out of town or very busy uh, that they, they weren't able to come into t- to the school for some of the, the project sharing because that was a normal part of the school's culture that uh, when units were completed, there would be days where the parents, the community would come in and the learning would be shared. And so Michael reached out the other direction and he shared with me just a few weeks ago that for, like, I think it was a parent-student conference, a couple of his parents were out of town. They were not able to attend. So what did he do? He used Skype. And he was able to uh, connect to the parents. And I'm not sure if it was the student was involved or not. We'll have to ask Mike. He's going to be on in about a month. Um, but that was another way Michael was. He's such a community builder uh, that he's been able to use technology to, uh, to build community. Yeah, Mike's a great guy. He helped with the Learning 2.0 conference, and he's uh, heavily involved again in the Learning 2.08 conference. So I know Mike well. He, he is a great guy, and he, he's always pushing pushing himself in the classroom, which is always good to see. You know, you love mm-hmm. you love teachers like that. Um, you know, uh, somebody asked in the in the uh, chat room, you know, about digital portfolios. In our school, what mm-hmm. what I'm trying to push is to have the blogs become the digital portfolios because I see it really as a place where kids can put everything. You know, you can upload PDF files and you can upload PowerPoints and you can upload work and you can reflect on different things. And the nice thing about the blogs is the way we have them set up is once the kid has a has a blog, it goes with them throughout their whole school year. And so, you know, in theory, a seventh or eighth grader has a blog now and they continue to write on that same blog clear until they're a senior. And when they're applying for colleges and stuff, they can point to this, you know, this huge, basically huge website of work uh, as Mm -hmm. part of their as part of their uh, learning. And so and using WordPress, the nice thing is, is you can export all that, take it and set it up on another blog once the kid leaves the school. And I think that's that's another important feature to think about is, is what do you do with all this when the kids leave? Um, so the last the last link I'm going to share, and this is one I've been really excited about and been working on just, again, this one's come out in the last probably two weeks I've been working with this. It's actually a PE blog. And it's been fun to to sit and talk with the PE teachers about what it means to have a blog in PE. And, and I know uh, John Peterson was talking, uh, he's doing something with some physical education teachers and wanted to know how do you get them in this space. And, and it was interesting to sit and talk with them to talk about, okay, we're all about physical activity. We don't want kids sitting in front of a computer, but how do we use a blog to interact with kids? And so if you go to the blog, the int- it's really cool the way they have it set up. They're using it to communicate with the parents, and they're using it to communicate with kids. So right now, if you go, the latest post is actually a Kung Fu video because they're teaching Kung Fu in, uh, as part of their program. 
And so what they did is they went in and they videotaped the kids doing Kung Fu, put the video on their blog. So now the kids can go and they can practice Kung Fu at home or practice their moves uh, watching excellent. the video. And so we started talking about that, that they have a video camera in the classroom. And they can, as they're going through the different units, they can be taking pictures or taking video to put on their blog. And if you look at the blog, you'll notice a lot of pictures. And what it's coming down to, like you scroll down and there do, there's one of gymnastics. Uh, there was another girl uh, who was shooting a basketball. That one already might be off, off the front page. But what they're finding is, is because our PE curriculum isn't about sports, it's about engaging kids in lifelong activities, that by just bringing a camera with them or taking a video and asking kids, you know, if you have good form while you're shooting a basket, we'll take a picture and put you on the website. And again, Hmm. it's encouraging kids to focus on the form rather than making the shot. And the form Mm -hmm. and the run, you know, whether you're lifting or you're doing Kung Fu or whatever it is, that's what that's what they want to focus on. And so by bringing a camera with them and videotaping and say, you're going to be on the blog tonight so everybody else can watch and learn with you is helping to drive traffic to the blog and uh, you know, is, is becoming a really cool way for them to interact. I mean the blog's already been going <clears throat> excuse me. The blog's only been going for about a week. <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, and they've already had 324 visitors. And so it's been really good for them, and it's been really good to see how we can use these in all areas of our school. Uh, And again, you know, the the PE department is probably one of the last you would think of to be using something like this. And it was really good to sit with them and talk about how you can use something like this to communicate with kids outside of school and what kind of activities. And again, I'm, I'm getting them to try to focus on, you know, you are PE teachers too. How do you reflect on the blog to show kids that you are still exercising? You know, one mm-hmm. of our one of our teachers just went up to a um, a temple with monks and got to spend a weekend. And I said, you know, you need to be putting that on your blog about just reflecting about the time you spent up there. You know, about meditating and learning kung fu and and just going through that whole process because we have to allow the kids in a little bit if we expect them to be able to write and let us in. And I think that's and I I know I keep harping on that tonight, but that's really been my message lately to teachers. You can't just start a blog and put assignments out there for kids and then turn around and expect kids to be able to deeply reflect on an assignment if you're not willing to do the same about your teaching, about yourself, mm-hmm. about your learning. So uh, again, I share that one just because it's a PE blog and I don't know if there are many out there. And so it's it's, it's a good example that we mm-hmm. can use. And, and, and one thing I've commented on several times working in international schools is the incredible PE programs wherever we, we go. We're now in our sixth international school, and it's just a, it's fantastic, especially having uh, two children go through these programs that are, as you say, they're based on life skills and lifelong uh, athleticism and fitness. And, and it's just, if any way, that, that, that these folks doing this hard work can be in a sense, honored and, and share their work out there. I think that's fantastic and and very very creative. And and I'll I'll add in just a kind of a show note about the question about the uh, 
electronic or digital portfolio. Um, we spoke uh, uh, in one of our earlier podcasts just about the power of blogs and how it can do so many different things. And, and, and you hit it on the, head, on the head again that it can become this portfolio. And if you're at a school that's doing uh, performance appraisal and instead of having this separate system where you're documenting and, and, and keeping a database of information um, that's just kind of singular in what it does, have this uh, multifunctional tool that also is a newsletter to parents, also is a place where you're pointing out your sharing of yourself, your modeling to your students. Uh, what is Bandora says, that's a big part of what teaching is all about is, is, is educators as we model uh, what we're learning in, in, the, in the teaching to the to the students. I think that's very powerful. And then looking to the future, because this week was going to be Justin Hardman coming in to talk about the MyDragonNet uh, uh, learning platform. Uh, he, When he comes in, he'll talk about one portion of that platform being electronic portfolios. And just as you said, one of the keys is, and, and when I was there and we were getting it started uh, with our fifth graders, because before Justin uh, was able to put the uh, develop the My Dragon Net program, we were using Front Page and creating these portfolios. But once the kids went to the uh, middle school, it was a whole different server system, so they'd have to burn a CD and take it up. And, and we spent so much time learning Front Page that it got in the way of why we were doing the electronic portfolios. And, and now, whether if they're using a blog or they're using My Dragon Net, as we know, it's just a matter of opening the page and, and, and design, doing a couple of design choices and then starting to reflect and using the tool for for what we want it to do. So I think that that will be helpful for uh, the listener who wants some more information on that one. Yeah, and that's what we've done with WordPress uh, MU is, is I try not to call it a blog for teachers because that kind of scares some teachers. So I just said, look, it's a website. You know, mm-hmm. and you can you can use it that way. You turn off comments, and it is truly a website. But like you were saying, you know, with my Dragonet and with a lot of these tools, it makes it so easy. You don't have to know front page. You don't need to know Dreamweaver. And I can't tell you how many after school PD sessions just four <laughs> years ago that I ran on Dreamweaver. You know, yep, yep, yep. It was brutal. So anyway. All right. Well, that was a great show. Thank you everybody for coming to the chat room. We have, I think, we have six live viewers, which is great. Uh, thanks, David, for another great show. Uh, are we back next week then? We are. Kim Cafino is going to come in, and uh, the, the the essential question is uh, how to connect. And we were, I, I, if there's some people out there that would be interested in coming on, because we were looking at that at two different levels. One, uh, Kim, who who has such leadership in um, connecting through social networking and getting students to do like the the flat classroom project that Julie's been a real leader on as well. But also, we haven't talked anything about hardware and the whole idea of of laptops and handhelds and iPhones and uh, how are kids connecting to the web? What what are the tools, cell phones? So maybe if there's someone out there that has a a real background in that, I'm at a, a Sinshu uh, International School is a, a Mac laptop school as well. Um, but I'd be interested to, if there's someone that would like to come on and join us and share share some thoughts on that one as well. Great. So we'll be back here next Thursday, 7 o'clock p.m. Shanghai time. That's GMT plus 8 if you're trying to figure that out wherever you are in the world. And until next Thursday, let's uh, keep shifting those schools. Thanks, David, for another great podcast. Yeah, great to be here. <laughs>